0: Season Saviors is brought to you by DHS Press for all the news that Titans need to know. Make sure to check out the tip-off with Mosden Himden and Ryan Myers. Make sure to check out student reporting labs with Morgan Fisher, Allison Pataki, and Karen Ramos as they are talking about no-labels-attached breaking gender stereotypes in sports. And lastly, the Houston Astros and their cheating scandal, an analysis by Michael Godek.
1: Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look like to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703 870
0: 2487. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Season Saviors. I'm Ian Whitfield. And of course, joined by Shane Riley. Shane, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Ian. Uh, you know, I thought uh, maybe your Bills could have pulled it out against the Ravens. I really thought
0: they were going to, man. I mean, down that one score, the Ravens were just penalty after penalty, and we were down yeah, you know? after a brilliant flop by Cole Beasley to get us down there. it's just. Yep,
1: Panthers are going for a higher draft pick now, which is very, very <laughs> smart of them.
0: Finally get a quarterback.
1: Uh, hopefully. Tua, right. you never know.
0: Well, anyways, that'll get us right into our standouts for week 14 now, right, Shane? Week 14. Yeah. Uh, one of their standouts from the past week was Austin Eckler, who's currently running back three in all of fantasy. Shane, you want to take this away?
1: Yeah, I mean, limited touches, uh, especially as a running back, only had eight attempts, um, but he put up 101 rushing yards. I think that just stands out to me as how bad of a defense Jacksonville has become, which is, uh really been a question mark to me as I think last year or two years ago, they were uh, unstoppable as as a team, um, you know. Obviously, losing Jalen Ramsey, um, I guess I guess they're just not what they used to be. But he also added four catches for 112 receiving yards and a, and a reception touchdown, putting up 31 points um, on 12 touches. Ian,
0: yeah, Austin Eckler is quietly one of the greatest fantasy running backs over the past few years, and I think this season they were. Yes, this was a great game, but I'm not even gonna focus on this game. I'm gonna focus on the season heres a little bit. He's hands down a top seven fantasy running back every single week, no matter the matchup. He gets way too many catches. He's way too like much of a weapon because teams then because when they do the two running back set with Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon, they teams focus in on the Melvin Gordon because he's the feature back. And it just opens Austin Eckler up for these easy out of the field catches. So even if Austin Eckler, I think Austin Eckler is a good running back. I'm not trying to say he's not. Even if Melvin Gordon is actually a better, talented running back, Austin Eckler is in a much more bet is in a much better fantasy role than Melvin Gordon finds himself.
1: Well, Melvin Gordon also showed out against the Jaguars. I think. I, I think even last, going back to last week, I put him out as my starts. They both had yeah. great performance. Yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but. Um, Melvin Gordon beat him in carries which I think is to be expected I think Melvin Gordon's more of the true running back I and I think that Austin Eckler has really hurt um Melvin Gordon's oh 100%. fantasy value a lot because Melvin Gordon was getting those catches last year and that's just not the case as Austin Eckler is now that guy since obviously the holding out from Melvin Gordon I think that going forward Austin Eckler's obviously a, a really good bet um especially in a PPR league where he he has only three games with under four receptions this year, and I think two of those are three receptions. So you're getting at least that's at, at the least three to four fantasy points just off the catches alone. Um, but there's been weeks where he's had seven, eight, and it's just been a, a, a tremendous amount of catches, which is great for PPR. Um, getting onto our next guy, Ian, uh, Jameis Winston.
0: Yeah, Jameis Winston. When you, when I, at first uh, we do this, obviously we make a we make our uh, little sheet and we. Share it with each other, and we kind of put our own stats on and stuff like that. And at first, Shane shared this with me, and I saw Jameis Winston, and I thought, how, like, who? But Jameis Winston is quarterback six in fantasy football right now. That's insane for a guy that is terrible. Like, Shane, every time I'm on Red Zone watching these games— Every single time Jameis Winston is on my TV, he throws an interception. Like, I'm not even joking.
1: He's Every a, single time. He's a great fantasy quarterback for both teams on the field. Yes, exactly. exactly. That's he a really scores like one. four touchdowns, and he sets up the other team for with like three two, interceptions, two a couple sixes, fumbles. Yeah,
0: it's great. But in, in fantasy, I mean, those turnovers are only two points. And I say only two points. Obviously, that adds up. But, I mean, on average, he's going about 400 yards per game. Three or so touchdowns per game, even more than that sometimes because his team's down so much. Tampa Bay is almost always a shootout, but he has like four turnovers every week. So imagine Jameis Winston put, putting up these numbers and then just maybe in one game just f- actually taking care of the football. Like Tampa Bay actually has, I believe, a good quarterback. I believe Jameis Winston is actually a talented quarterback, but he's losing football games because he's given the teams like other four to five more possessions a game because he. He leads the NFL in interceptions right now, and he's actually upwards of, like, I I thought what the red zone said was, like, the upwards of, like, the record for, like, the decade or something because he's putting up, like, four to five interceptions or turnovers a week.
1: He He has 26 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. He has only four games this year without an interception and only two without a turnover.
0: That's ridiculous. Like, that's just ridiculous.
1: I mean, he does play Detroit and Houston in the next two weeks, and Houston just got demolished by Drew Locke, and Detroit is, you know, they're going to stop the number one receiver, you know, Darius Slay. But I think that James Winston has thrown an interception on the first play of three of the games this season, which yeah, is insane. He does so that all the time. You're starting in the negatives, but he. I think James Winston likes being down because they know he's, they're going to stop running it and he's going to get all the stats. I don't know if that's – Yeah, <laughs> obviously he's not trying to do that on purpose. but For
0: fantasy, that actually works out really well. Like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are almost always losing <laughs> – so they yeah. always got to come from behind and have these shootouts. So I guess Jameis Winston
1: I mean, he has, has a found of, a way to be fantasy relevant. He has a lot of talent with uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard. So I, it's no surprise that he's able to put up a lot of yards and a lot of numbers. But That'll he,
0: actually take us to our next guy now, uh, Shane, Emmanuel
1: Sanders. You know, he's been a very boomer bust player. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, this was one of his booms, but he's only had two of those since joining the 49ers. Um two games over 100 yards and then nothing else over 41 yards.
0: Yeah, but I think one of the things you have to look at with that is he he was playing he's playing been playing with a lingering injury in his leg, I believe, for all from week 10 to 13, and in the three weeks where he was actually healthy, he's had a touchdown in every single game so far. So I think it has a little more to do with the injury, but he's actually I, think he's going to be a really fan a valuable fantasy aspect here in the near future
1: oh he's 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 just like a Deshaun Jackson I mean he's going to burn you deep he's going to have those long catches he's the guy who goes for the big chunk plays um but I think the 49ers also have a lot of other targets whereas he was kind of just the only target in um, Denver besides Cortland Sutton um but he has Debo Samuel um George Kittle Pettis, I think they have a lot of options there, and Jimmy G is starting to become a good quarterback, and if they're putting up 48 points a week, um, like they did against the Saints, if that offense really gets going, can't complain, um, that's great for fantasy, and Emmanuel Sanders is going to have a good week.
0: Yeah, he's a touchdown menace, and that's what you like to see in your fantasy wide receivers, especially a guy who, I mean, realistically, in San Francisco, you got George Kittle, and then it's him, because the running backs really aren't doing a lot in the passing game for them, and I, I guess Debo Samuel is there too, but Emmanuel Sanders is definitely above him. So for me, Sanders is a super valuable guy that I am ready to buy in on for future fantasy weeks. But that actually didn't bring us to our bust now. Alvin Kamar, I'll start us off on that one. Alvin Kamar has not scored a touchdown since week three, Shane. Mm-hmm. He's he's literally just been, he's been slightly worse than Austin Eckler all year. It, it, he's, been, he's been a worse Austin Eckler is the way I want to put that he's getting the same amount of volume, really, that Eckler's getting, but Eckler's found the end zone so much more than Alvin Kamara has, and his rushing attempt volume and passing attempt volume has actually dropped throughout the season as the season's gone on, which is really concerning as we're getting right into the swing of playoffs. Actually, some people starting the round two already, or championship round, and he's currently running back 11, which is obviously, you look at that, you're like, no, that's pretty good, but I mean, Latavius Murray is taking volume from Alvin Kamara. The Saints passing offense is really good right now. I don't know. Alvin Kamara is kind of, I don't want to say an afterthought, but almost an afterthought kind of in the Saints offense. No one's talking about Alvin Kamara. Everyone's talking about Drew Brees and Michael Thomas right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, that connection has been a lot more consistent throughout this year. Um, it's weird that Taysom Hill has come in, and yeah. he has way more touchdowns. I think he has like six or seven on the year with Drew Brees. That definitely um, Alvin Kamara has too. For a guy who him and Mark Ingram were unstoppable in the backfield last year, Kamara's kind of become forgotten after Mark Ingram has left, which has been uh, a lot of very, raises a lot of questions. I mean, no one really thought that was going to happen. He had 13 rushes for 25 yards, um, and their team put up 46 points. How is he not getting touches in the red zone or getting targets near the end zone? I just, that's a little uh, mind boggling to people as you think he's going to take the next step when he's getting more touches, he's on the field more. Um, I, you know, he gets but he does get most of his fantasy value, um, at least this season from receptions. He is only under three receptions one time this season, which is great for PPR, it's great for running backs. Um I think going forward that's you know, he's playing Indy and Tennessee. Um both good defenses, both teams have been playing fairly well. Um, I think it's gonna be tough for him to get going as the Saints are rolling. Um even though they did lose that game uh against the 49ers, The Saints have been very good on offense. Drew Brees is playing very well as of late, but Alvin Kamara is not, and I just don't see how that's 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 happening. I feel like he's a has been the biggest part of their offense in the last couple of years. Um, getting into our next guy, Ian uh, Leonard Fournette. I'll go ahead and start us off on Leonard Fournette. Um, his first single digit point game this season in fantasy. Um, he's been very consistent. Always ha- first game under ten. I think that uh, as a guy who went second, you know, or maybe even slid down to the. Th- three fours in, in the draft. I think that he's been a very solid pick and I don't I don't see him as a guy who I doubt in the next two games as he's going up against Oakland and Atlanta. Um, both fairly favorable matchups. Um, he's, a, he's a very reliable running back as of this season as the only concern from the past seasons has been his health. Um, and this in, this season, he's done a great job of staying healthy, which, you know, being a good fantasy player, you actually have to be on the field every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been one of the only bright spots on the Jaguars so far this season. So I think... Uh, at least for playoffs, you should feel no doubt um, putting him in your starting lineup, and I think he's a, a top five running back at least this year.
0: Yeah, Renner, Leonard Fournette is like a pretty interesting case. Actually, the way he's really—I don't want to say turned around his career because that's not the right way to say it—but at least turned around within the past two years. Last year, Leonard Fournette was a pretty one-dimensional kind of guy. He was like a slightly more versatile Sony Michelle, and he was like a straight rusher but a better rusher than Sonny Michel and had more opportunities for touchdowns in Jacksonville. But this year with the quarterback problems and so many questions about who the number one receiver obviously DJ Chark is, but no one really knew that until probably about week four of the season. And then with some injuries to guys like D.D. Westbrook, Leonard Fournette, has really taken on like a role of his own kind of in the reception game finally throughout his career. He started to add more receptions this year, especially with the quarterback problems. Gardner Mischu turned to him a lot. And even when Nick Foles kind of stepped back in, he was trusting Leonard Fournette. So Leonard Fournette is a running back seven right now. He's kind of having an Eckler, not like an Eckler-like season, but kind of in that quiet category where somehow he's a top 10 running back and no one's talking about him. So good for Leonard Fournette. And I'd say he's a mid to low tier running back one at the moment.
1: Yeah, I I definitely have to agree with you. I think that He's right in there with the, with the great fantasy running backs like Christian McCaffrey and uh, Dalvin Cook. Um, I, you know, Obviously, he's not all the way up to that level because he, he does have an issue of finding the end zone uh, in some weeks. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Uh, getting on to our final uh, bust, a guy that a lot of questions have been around. I don't understand if he's even going to be in Cleveland by the end of the this or by the start of next season. Uh, Odell. Yeah, Odell Beckham is such an interesting case right now.
0: He only has one game since week 6 or sorry. He only has one game since week seven with more than six receptions. That's for a number one wide receiver who you traded a lot for. That's, that's nothing. Like you can get that from like your average NFL wide receiver on a good day. He only has two touchdowns all year. He's currently wide receiver 27. His average draft position was top first two rounds, Shane. How can you trust this guy? Not even just by his fantasy production. Like those, that's bad. Like, but that's still wide. Those are still like wide receiver two numbers, like low end wide receiver two. But, one, he doesn't want to be there. He's voiced his frustration. Literally, after all these games, he's going up to teams, going up to coaches and saying, trade for me, please. Like, get me out of here. After these games, he doesn't want to be there. He's not – he didn't even join a team huddle last week. That was a video that went viral of the team huddling, and he's just standing on the side ready for the play, like just going to run his own route or whatever. Baker's struggling this entire year. He has terrible – accuracy issues right now odell at best for me is a low-end wide receiver too at best like he has a 20-point ceiling which would be a miracle for him right now but i mean a 20-point ceiling for a guy that is a round two pick or like a top that was taken as a top three wide receiver in the draft he should be putting up 15 points every single week at least
1: as a guy as a guy who had eli manning as his quarterback he was putting up he was arguably one of the best wide receivers in the league, him and Antonio Brown. And I don't know what's happened to him since he's gone to the, the Browns. Everyone was looking around and everyone's saying that this guy's gonna have they have all the weapons. They have him, Jarvis Landry. I mean they did. Um, and he's honestly become Jarvis Landry's understudy. Uh, Jarvis Landry is getting the volume. He's getting mm-hmm. he's getting the the passes from Baker Mayfield. He's he's in the last you know, since since they're by in week seven, Jarvis Landry hasn't had single digit points. Odell Beckham has. Otto Beckham's broken fifteen points twice, and those were both both his weeks that he had the touchdowns, and they were they were against Miami, and Baltimore. Um, oh, excuse me, it was not against Baltimore; it was against the Jets. Those are not good teams. He's not he's not he's not doing well against the, the, the good level teams in the NFL, and I don't know where that's been. I know that they're saying that oh he's got he needs to have sports hernia surgery. That's not the reason. I don't know if he just doesn't have a good connection and there's just something missing between him and Baker. Obviously, Baker has not been accurate. Um, but it doesn't seem like Odell Beckham's the number one receiver here, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it, it's such an interesting decision. <laughs> Whatever the Browns have going on, they got to figure that out before next year. But actually, going back to the Browns, one of my must-starts for this week as we get into that category right now, Baker Mayfield, quarterback, who I literally just said was terrible. But hear me out. They're playing the Cardinals. I feel like anytime you're playing the Cardinals, it's a must start in the quarterback situation.
1: It was almost uh, Miami earlier in the year.
0: Yeah, and throughout the, they're giving up 25 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks, and that's on average. So there's guys like the stars are going even way above that. And Baker Mayfield is a good enough quarterback. He's below the mid tier, but I believe he can still at least put up about over 20 points for sure, and could even get to that 25 point margin as. Besides the Bengals, it's the most fantasy points per game given up to any uh, opposing quarterback in fantasy. So Baker Mayfield, a guy who has mobility in his legs, will look to expose this uh, cardinal defense that is really bad against mobile quarterbacks. And they've given up the second most rushing yards to quarterbacks in the NFL. So, And they also have the least amount of interceptions as well. So Baker Mayfield should not lose any points with a lot of turnovers if he even has one. So for me, Baker Mayfield is a great
1: safe play this week. Oh, uh, I definitely agree because I'm actually my first start is going to be one of his wide receivers. Um, definitely not Odell Beckham. <laughs> uh, it's going to be Jarvis Landry. I think that he's a guy who um, he's had some really big weeks. I mean, even even in a week where Odell put up 20 points, uh, Jarvis Landry outmatched him for 36. Um, I think that the Cardinals have been a horrendous defense. Obviously, two weeks ago against the Rams, they gave up uh, almost 400 or over 400 yards. Um, To Jared Goff so I just you know that's also an offense that has been struggling Um, so I think this is another opportunity for the Browns to come in um, and have a good week since they have been struggling offensively I think this is a team that um, they can definitely uh, show out against as the Cardinals are a horrendous defense right now
0: yeah and that'll take me to my second start of the week Josh Jacobs running back for the Oakland Raiders he's having a really really good rookie year no one's really talking about him except for earlier in this season but Besides, then, no one's really mentioned him because Nick Bosa's taking all the shine as in the Rookie of the Year race. But he's up against a Jags team who are now in the top spot for the most fantasy points per game allowed to running backs, and the team going up against the Jags—sorry, teams are going up big against the Jags—and they're getting just to run it down their throat, really. So for me, I see the Raiders kind of going up early in this game, especially with so many question marks in Jacksonville, and. Given up the most third most rushing yards per game. So, Josh Jacobs, a guy who gets upwards of 20 carries a game with some a few passing or a few receptions here and there, has the potential to put up definitely over triple digit scrimmage yards and easily has a chance to find the end zone. As they're just going to be running the ball down Jacksonville's throat in this game. So, for me, Josh Jacobs is a fabulous start.
1: Yeah, I think that he's really showed out this year, better than I even would have expected. I think uh, everyone saw the, the, the Raiders' first couple of picks and they were questioning as he never even started a game in college, but Josh Jacobs has been very good, and I definitely see him uh, in a great matchup against the Jaguars who just gave up uh, double-digit fantasy points to two running backs on the same team. Uh, my next start is going to be um, Mark Andrews. If if he's healthy, uh, he's the number one tight end. He's one of Lamar Jackson's favorite targets as you see that the Ravens spread the ball around a lot you know like it seems like this guy gets five catches this guy gets five catches but Mark Andrews is a guy in the in the red zone um that gets the that gets the ball from Lamar Jackson and they're going up against the New York Jets um not a good not a good defense they have not been good all year i think that it is a short week they're coming in on a Thursday um so it is kind of it would kind of be difficult for Mark Andrews to make this start but if he is healthy and he is going he's a guy that i believe that should be Um, in your starting lineup as a tight end position, is very weak. Um, And if it's not him, uh, it's uh, Hayden Hurst, uh, who just had a long touchdown against Buffalo. I think that both those guys are great tight end options, um, especially in a very thin position uh, in playoffs when you're going to need someone to get you points. I think that the Jets are a very weak defense, and I think that in a short week, uh, it could be a a good start for them, both of those guys. Hello. This is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Um,
0: Mark Andrews, I'm not very fond of. He knocked me out of my fantasy playoffs, but whatever. On to our next one, Philip Lindsay, running back for the Broncos. I feel like he's still fantasy well with uh, Royce Freeman taking a lot of touch. I mean, he's still running back 15. You can't argue with the stats. He's up against the Chiefs, who are just trailing the Jags for the easiest rush defense in terms of fantasy points per game for opposing running backs. Philip Lindsay, a guy who gets a lot of receptions, too. The Chiefs have given up the second most reception yards to running backs. So, Lindsay has numerous ways he can tear this Chiefs defense apart. Royce Freeman, obviously, will get his chance. And I think Royce Freeman is actually a solid flex play in this situation to compliment Lindsay, but i think Lindsay's has to- the top seven potential this week so i'm gonna give the must start to philip Lindsay.
1: yeah a guy that has burned me all season so i can't say that uh i would feel confident in him I-, I think in almost every league i didn't make the playoffs he was one of my running backs in the mix uh so thank you for disappointing me all year hopefully <laughs> hopefully the pe- people who were, ma- were able to make it uh with him in the playoffs uh with philip Lindsay. Uh, I, yeah, I would agree that th- this is a good matchup for him and he, he should be started. My final start is going to be Marlon Mack of the Colts. Um, he missed the previous two weeks, Week 12 and Week 13, to uh, an injury. Uh, he came back in Week 14. He put up uh, 38 yards and a touchdown, uh, 9.8 fantasy points, which is not a great day. But I think that he's going up against a Saints team that just you know, gave up 48 points um, to an offense that really had just been playing defensive games all season long. And it was one of the first times that they had, uh, you know, showed out. And I think that the Colts have a very good offense. And if he's, you know, 100%, they, they, they say he's 100% ready to go, I think that he could have a, a really good week against them um, in New Orleans. I think that it's uh, a fairly good matchup. And I, I would expect him to have a lot more attempts than 13, maybe closer to 20, and hopefully have more production in that. So I think you should feel confident in putting him back into your lineup uh, since the injury.
0: Yeah, and that'll take us to our do not starts for this week. I'm going to start us off with Joe Mixon, who has actually had a really, really good second half of the year. He hasn't gone under, he's gone one game under 17 fantasy points since week eight, which is their bye week. This week, though, they play New England, who I don't know if I really need to give you any statistics, is the best run defense in the NFL, hands down. They've given up the least fantasy points per game to running backs, and they've only allowed one rushing touchdown all year, so... As good as Joe Mixon's been, I don't think volume's going to save him in this situation. You'll probably view him kind of back to like the first half of the year of what he had, where he had a ton of touches, but just no production with it. And I'm ex- expecting that to happen again this week against New England.
1: Yeah, I think New England is a fantastic defense. I think they have had a couple of hiccups. I think Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback, um, a great offense in the Chiefs. And I think they've, they shut down the run, they shut down the pass. I think they've kind of fallen off that. And their offense hasn't been moving that well, so... um, Joe Mixon, especially in a bad Cincinnati offense, is not going to do that well when they can just target on him. They usually try to take it away the number one. My first hit is going to be a guy that I think is mentioned almost every week on this show, uh, both good and bad, Josh Allen. Yeah. Um, he's going up against Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, which is a top-five defense against fan- opposing fantasy QBs. I think since the addition of Minka Fitzpatrick, that defense has been lights out. Um, Devin Bush has played really well, T.J. Watt. I think they have a lot of stars on that that young defense, and it's really made up for the loss of Big Ben and injuries to Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner. Uh, Buffalo did just struggle. Um, he put up Josh Allen just put up ten points um, against the Ravens, who, which is also another good defense. I think that you know if, if he gets his legs going, maybe a possibility of him being a guy that you start if you have no one else. But if you have another quarterback, possibly a James Winston or someone like that, and you're flip flopping between the two, uh, definitely do not go Josh Allen's way I think that he's not as reliable this week um, especially with a young linebacking core that could possibly uh, stop his legs a little bit yeah
0: Buffalo's got a really tough matchup there in Pittsburgh but that'll take me to Cortland Sutton who is wide receiver 17 at the moment is averaging 14.8 fantasy game fantasy points per game but he's up against a Chiefs team that has been really good against wide receivers they're actually the second toughest matchup against wide receivers which is the complete opposite of their rush defense which probably explains teams are just running the ball right down their throats so they aren't getting a lot of production for the wide receivers. But Cortland Sutton is a guy that doesn't have a ton of volume to him. He's more of a chunk yard kind of play. Not a boomer bust like Hail Mary kind of guy. But he gets like pretty mid-level catches, like 20-yard catches down the field. And against a Chiefs team that actually has some pretty good safeties, I don't really see Cortland Sutton being super productive in this game.
1: Inexperienced quarterback too.
0: Yeah, inexperienced quarterback. But I think what's going to happen is you're going to see Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman just really get fed the ball in this game a lot. Is that's kind of how Denver's offense has started to be spread out. Even though Drew Locks come onto the scene, he's not throwing for a bunch of yards. They're more still of a rush offense. So for me, Cortland Sutton is a very risky start this week.
1: Yeah, I think Drew Locke may maybe may just having a little. Uh... A little rookie luck, as no one has expected to match up against him, and I think Texans were surely not surprised, but I don't don't see that continuing, Um, especially against a Chiefs defense that's pretty well coached. Um, My second sit is going to be Devontae Adams of the Packers. And this is you know, not saying that Devontae Adams isn't a top-20 receiver. I mean, he's really good, really talented, Um, but he's going up against Chicago. I think in his first matchup against them, he put up 7.6 points. Um, That's not, not what you want to see from a guy uh, under under double digits in a, in a PPR league, um, he's matched up against them. They are at Lambo this time, but I still don't see it as a favorable matchup. As Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, that's a really good secondary. And I think that they've struggled at some points this year, um, but all in all, that is still a really good defense. Um, and I think that it's a tough matchup for any wide receiver going against that secondary. Um, so I just expect them to try to get the ball to like Aaron Jones, who's been very good this year, especially Fantastic. especially touchdowns. I think he has like four games with three touchdowns um Adams is kind of afterthought yeah he's starting to fall off he he only has three touchdowns this year and I don't see him getting one this week so I think that's gonna be tough for him yeah and that takes me to my last sit for
0: this week that's gonna be Kirk Cousins a guy who's had a really good second half of the year so far is up against the LA Chargers who at first you might think really like do they actually have a good pass defense but they do. They actually have a really good secondary, and they're only allowing 14.6 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks, which is—actually, it actually, that number's kind of high, but it's also the fourth lowest in the league. So for me, there's definitely much better streams this week, like uh, like a Ryan Tannehill, who I'll probably get into in my waiver wires a little later. But so many better options to go with than Kirk Cousins this week, and you can definitely find one on the waiver wire, even deep league. So against a team like the L.A. Chargers, who— Are really actually doing really well. It's this is actually just surprising to me the fact they're holding wide receiver or quarterbacks to such low
1: amount of points. You can't trust Kirk Cousins this week. Such a low volume kind of guy too. Yeah, I still think they have a good secondary. I think Joey Bosa has not done as well as you know everyone would have thought of him this year. And I think that the offense has struggled a lot more. I mean, I thought they were a playoff team coming into this year. My, um, my final sit is going to be Terry McLaurin, a guy, you know, obviously we flip-flopped on him all year, mm-hmm. um, but ever since the arrival of Dwayne Haskins in that starting quarterback role, uh, Terry McLaurin's been forgotten. Yes, he did catch a touchdown against the Packers, and that saved his week, but without the touchdown, he had under 10 points. Um, he had, he's had double digits once um, with Dwayne Haskins. He had 12.2 one week, and it's been, it's been a struggle for him. I mean, against Carolina, he put up two catches for eight yards. He's going up against Philly, who is who is you know a fairly good secondary, um, and he he did he did have five catches for 125 yards and a touchdown against them earlier in the season, but then again that was Case Keenum, that was not Dwayne Haskins, who has really they've really dumbed down the offense for him um, yeah, because of good. because of because of he's a rookie, um, and that's kind of forgotten their number one wide receiver who's very talented and he's just I just don't see he's not a safe play you can't start him. Yeah, you know? and
0: that actually takes us to our waiver wires now. I'm going to start us off with my. My guy, Cole Beasley, who even in a game where the Bills didn't look super great on offense, they only had like 100 total scrimmage yards or something heading into the third quarter or heading into the fourth, and they didn't get many more than that. They were helped out by a lot of penalties. But anyways, Cole Beasley has been great this entire year, and no one's talking about him. He's only owned in 31% of leagues. He has double-digit fantasy points in basically every single game this year I think with the exception of one yeah just one game this year where he hasn't had double digit fantasy points he's a reception hog last week he put up 15 fantasy points Josh Allen loves this guy I don't know why the Bills don't actually use him more but he's a top 25 fantasy wide receiver at the moment and he's only owned in 30 percent of leagues like he's at least a flex play and no one wants him because they're like oh it's Cole Beasley he wasn't good in Dallas he's he plays in a Buffalo offense but
1: got to give this guy an ad in my opinion yeah i i definitely agree i think the buffalo offense has been very slept on this year um my first pickup is going to be a.j brown a guy that has really exploded um this year he's a very he's a very uh deep threat uh since the emergence of ryan he's been a number one wide receiver for them as Corey davis um has kind of been forgotten there it's 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 now a.j brown's team as as a rookie um he's definitely a top uh claim i think uh He's not. He's kind of been slept on this year. As you start to pick him up, and then people drop him again as he struggles. As soon as you get him on your team, but I think that he's really solidified himself with Ryan Tannehill. I think that both of them have been a good connection so far this year. Yeah, and that'll take me to
0: Zach Pascal, wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. He's only owned in thirty percent of leagues, just like uh, Cole Beasley. But he's right now wide receiver one. He's playing against. He's stepping into a role with the T.Y. Hilton has been out for for a few weeks now. And he's really shined since they he's taken over that role. He's seen 19 targets over the past two weeks, and he's clearly the wide receiver that the Colts want to turn to now. And w- as long as Hilton is out, Pascal, for me, is in a really similar role as Cole Beasley as, a, as like a top 25 fantasy wide receiver week in and week out. It, it's obviously as long as Ty, T.Y. Hilton is out. So give him an ad, a flex play, a solid guy that you could put in your lineup if you... Aren't confident in
1: one of your plays for championship week because it is not time to take any risks. Yeah, I think now we're getting into that crunch time where every move matters. You need you need at least ten points from almost every guy in your lineup to feel safe. Um, my no, another waiver wire pick that I have has been Anthony Miller. Um, he's a he's a slot wide receiver for the the Bears. Obviously, Allen Robinson has done very well, but Anthony Miller has come alive with uh, six catches for fifty four yards, six catches for seventy seven yards, nine catches for one hundred forty yards. And then three catches for 42 yards and a touchdown um, over the last month. And as Mitchell Trubisky, you know, he's starting to turn it, turn it around. Um, everyone thought that this guy was done. I mean, it, personally, I think that Mitchell Trubisky is not that great of a quarterback. And I think that the Bears should be looking elsewhere. I mean, they can have Cam Newton if they want him. But I don't, I, I think he's got two, you know, home matchups. Um, uh, championship week is usually the 16th, the 16th week of the season. So I think he's up against Green Bay and Kansas City. Um, those they do not match up very well against slot receivers. I think that they're both in the bottom, the bottom half of the league against those rankings. So I think that Anthony Miller is a guy that you can pick up and possibly slide into a flex if you don't have anyone else.
0: Mm-hmm. And now my final start or waiver wire pickup for this week: Patrick Laird? Layard, Layard, Miami, Miami, Miami running back. He is only owned in. Not 10.8% uh, of leagues right now, but he's been great so far as teach, taking over the feature back role. He has 15 carries last week for 50 for 50 yards, which those numbers aren't fantastic, but the volume's there, and he's four receptions in both those times too, so he's gone over those double-digit po- fantasy points, deeply Flex consideration, and I think a guy that for next year, we're really going to have to keep an eye on on draft boards because I think he's going to be the feature back for Miami all year, and maybe Miami goes out and I don't know, gets a offensive lineman or something to help this guy out, but he's been nothing short but great in a team that has literally no bright spots except
1: for maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick when he's on. Well, obviously. And and, and DeAndre Parker. DeVonte Parker. Or Devonte Parker, excuse me. But, but concussion, he's out. Yeah. Um my my last waiver wire pickup um is going to be DeAndre Washington, a guy who shined last week um in the absence of Josh Jacobs. Um another uh, another young running back in Oakland, I think that um, if Josh Jacobs is back, obviously he loses a lot of his value. But I, I, I can't say that it's impossible for him to be like completely cut out of the offense um, because uh, you, you see a lot of teams run two running back sets. And this guy really balled out last week. Um, he, he turned his 20 touches into 96 yards from scrimmage and a score against against the Titans last week, which is not a, not a horrible defense. Um, I think that's great production. I think they should consider possibly using him in um, more of just like a, you know, uh, Josh Jacob needs the rest role. But who knows? Who knows where that'll go? I think that it's worth it. It's worth a chance. There's probably a lot of guys on your bench right now that you're not even consider using. Um, maybe he's a guy that you pick up, and if Josh Jacob is bench and you need a flex play, boom, DeAndre Washington is right in there for you. Um, that's all we have for this podcast this week. Um, thank you. Uh, make sure to tune into DHS Press for all the news that Titans need to know. Hello. This is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fancy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487.